All right, this is Jonathan Mitchell from Microbigals talking about the elixir of the gods or mead, one of the oldest known alcoholic beverages out there. And today talking with me is James Randolph. He is a lab manager for a fungal ecology lab at uh, the University of California, Riverside. Welcome, thank you. Hey, John, how's it going? <laughs> Good, yourself? Still breathing, can't complain. <laughs> so like what made you decide to start brewing mead? It actually kind of wasn't by my choice, strangely enough. My housemate at the time buy a bunch of brewing equipment because he wanted to make cider. Just so happened I had bought a cookbook that also had a drink section in it and the drink section contained just at least like four or five different recipes of mead. You know, from there it was just one of those, hey, you have all the equipment I have the recipe book, let's try this out. So <laughs> we just kind of went from there, went from a, a cider kind of a situation to a, a mead situation almost overnight. Did you have mead before you starting to make it? Oh yeah, I had before, yeah. In all honesty, it was mainly in mixed drinks, strangely enough, uh, than straight up mead. But I had had straight up mead by itself as well. But most of the time it's like the base honey mead just with like mix-ins. So how long have you been making mead then? That's going on to about two years now, about two years. How many badges do you think you've made by now? <laughs> Good or bad badges? <laughs> it's a matter of opinion, I suppose. I, I guess so, yeah. Uh, I'd say probably anywhere between 10 to 13, really. Timing in between kind of makes it difficult because it takes, you know, two, three months. Yeah, depending on what you're doing to really make them. But, you know, we had enough equipment with what I bought and what uh, my housemate had to really uh, make about three or four at a time. So can you tell us how one makes mead? That is um, it's kind of a loaded question a little bit, uh, only because it's just like most of the uh, most alcohols. It's pretty much just a fermentation process. You give a bunch of yeast, some sort of sugar source, and they just go to town making ethanol for you. But just like all the other alcohols that we have on the market and all the other liqueurs we have in the market, what you add to it and where you ferment it, how long you ferment it really is the, uh, the key. But for meat itself, I guess the, the primary differing ingredient is honey. Uh, unlike things like wine where it's grapes or rum where it's sugarcane. But from there you can add myriad of different uh, fruits, teas, even uh, set it up for having ciders if you wanted, uh, like a, essentially a meat cider combo. It's, this is a plethora of things, but I guess really when it boils down to it, making it just is uh, yeast, water, honey, and thyme. I looked it up quickly and I noticed that you also have to add like uh, some sort of nutrient in the mix. You can, uh, it's not necessarily needed. I've done it plenty of times where there hasn't really been a nutrient source added i really saw no issue without it like i the yeast is very happy with all that uh that honey i mean there could be some i don't know long-term fermentation like we're talking like six months a year or something like that that someone might do that might require it but i've never really seen a need for it someone who's done it longer may have some sort of unique recipe that may call for it um, but really you still get a good like good yield and a good uh, alcohol percentage without really needing the nutrients. Hmm. 
I know that there's uh, for basic meat, it's just one fermentation, right? But if you want to add more stuff, you add uh, secondary fermentation. Secondary fermentation is another one of those whole dealer's choice kind of deals. It's really for the removal of sediments. Uh, as the yeast goes and, goes and does its thing, uh, it creates waste, mainly its own bodies, which then become sediment or essentially particles that will uh, settle to the bottom of the actual container uh, over time. This could also end up being things like your uh, fruits, um, tea leaves, whatever may end up being dense enough to fall to the bottom can also show up in the bottom. If you don't want these things in the bottling process, then yeah, secondary fermentation or re-racking the mead uh, can be done. And it doesn't really have to stop there. You can rack it multiple times if you want. But another benefit of the secondary fermentation also is it can actually help to impart flavors of certain things into the meat more uh, than uh, in a primary fermentation. In a primary fermentation, let's just say you add a whole bunch of strawberries, you're making a strawberry meat. You could at the just do one fermentation with the strawberries, uh, use some sort of method of just filtering out the, the gunk out of it, like using some sort of mesh cloth, and then add like strawberry concentrate or something to actually get that strawberry flavor because after the primary fermentation you're not going to get a lot of that strawberry flavor at all it's just going to be really imparting a slight different taste in the alcohol and uh, giving the yeast a bit more sugar to actually eat but in the secondary fermentation if you actually use more cut up strawberries at this point like if you re-rack the mead and then add more strawberries after that secondary fermentation as things are starting to slow down, they're not really breaking up as much and turning it into alcohol anymore. It's really just imparting the flavors of the actual strawberries into the meat. You can touch upon this. How long does it take meat? Because it really depends on what type of meat you're making, right? Yeah, it, it, that's another one of those things where like it really boils down to the recipes. I've uh, I finished up a mead uh, in a month before and just been like, you know, to heck with it. We're just going to uh, bottle it now. Uh, and I've had them go all the way up to three, four months with what I was doing. But on average, I've seen it go from two to three months for what I was going for. Normally about a month or so is whenever you take it out of the primary and put it into a secondary if you wanted to as well. So, Also looking up, I saw there's like a plethora of different types of meat. It isn't just your standard honey, water, and yeast, there's all different types of meat you can make. Have you played around with the different types? If by different types you mean just different flavorings for it, then oh yeah. I mean, I gotta say, probably my personal favorite has got to be uh, lavender, ginger, and uh, apples, and the actual meat. That one's gotta be uh, one of my personal favorites, and I'm looking forward to doing that again. I want to find the one. It says that it's made with caramelized honey, which sounds amazing. Yeah, my uh, my housemate ended up doing that. I don't know the results of it. <laughs> I get to try it, but he was. Uh, it definitely made the house smell very good for uh, about uh, about an evening and a half. <laughs> and there's also one that I really want to try, but it's probably really expensive because it's made with maple syrup instead of honey. Uh, Glen or something like that, I believe. It's something along those lines. Yeah. I know honey's expensive, but... Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. much more expensive. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's the idea of a, you, co- you combine that high sugar glucose content of the molasses with the high sugar glucose content of uh, honey. 
mm-hmm. you pretty much just created the uh, the golden corral of uh, the yeast existence. <laughs> just <laughs> a buffet for them just to go hog wild on. So, do you have any horror stories of your experience? And to what what did you learn from that? Clothes have nothing to do with me and should never be a part of it. <laughs> to start with that. There was a recipe from the cookbook uh, that actually started this whole mead thing. And uh, it called for just, well, as I know now, an ungodly amount of clothes. And anyone who's cooked with clothes knows that clothes are extremely powerful. Just a little go a long way. And this recipe called for an awful lot. And we ended up brewing it and finishing it up. It took about two and a half months, I think, on average, uh, about that to, just to get it. And after bottling it, oh, we opened it. And that thing just reeked of cloves. Like, we had so many other things in there, uh, like so many different fruits and cinnamon and a whole bunch of nothing came through. It was just cloves. The whole thing just assaulted your senses. And we bottled it, and we were just like, oh, well, I guess we should try it. And it was just liquid clothes just that's all it was it was just liquid clothes the whole way down I highly recommend that if anyone finds a recipe that involves clothes that you cut it by like seven eighths of whatever the heck they tell you to put it on it's just not worth it though we did end up going back and looking at that recipe again and did exactly that cut the clothes back by like three four seven days some like ridiculous fraction of the amount and it actually turned out significantly better the clothes are Clothes added a nice spice to it, but a little goes a long way. Yeah. Pretty potent spice to be working with. Yeah. It'll wake you up. (laughs) Do you have any uh, projects on the horizon with mead? Really, I want to just try to make a bit more large-scale meads. Um, I want to try, like... um, like the honey, uh, lavender, ginger, you know, you can do like one gallon batches of it is fine. But when it comes down to like kind of experimenting with the flavored meats, like actual, like naturally flavored ones, I kind of wanted to try, uh, just getting like a five gallon tub of it, just going through the primary fermentation of a uh, meat, normal meat, just honey, water, yeast, all that fun jazz. And then from there, just, Divvying, divvying it up into other containers and then just add various fruits and combos for that matter and see if I can get a more potent flavorings out of it than just adding it for the alcohol uh, content at the beginning. Um, so really I want to try kind of like this larger scale batch mead uh, kind of a thing and kind of use secondary fermentation for uh, imparting more flavor into the normal meads. Yeah, no, I'm interested in starting myself, and when I move, I, th- I was thinking about starting with the five-gallon one. Yeah, I would, I get both. Like, the one-gallons are really, really useful, but, yeah, the five-gallons are great, but unless you're just going to make that five-gallons, uh, like, you're just going to have just normal mead, then I would recommend getting uh, a few of the smaller one-gallon ones, so you can just, like, take, a like, three-fourths of a gallon out of one into the uh, into one of the smaller gallon ones, add fruits, 
uh, or other like uh, spices into it. And you can have through your secondary fermentation, um, just more of these flavors come out in different meads. Well, along those lines, um, is there any advice that you would impart to our viewers if they're interested in starting? Well, just like any hobby, read, 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 read. Find out the different types of yeast because uh, you go under the brew, uh, you go into any sort of brewing store. It'll be wine yeast, uh, IPA yeast, uh, ale yeast, stout yeast, all sorts of other fun stuff. Finding out what the difference of those are so you're not walking in just staring at it uh, would be a good idea. Uh, finding out what recipe you want to start with. If you just want to start with normal mead, find out, well, this recipe wants me to do this amount of uh, honey to this amount of water, but this one wants me to do this and this. So do I split the difference? What do I do? Um, a lot of reading. Also search and see if there's a, a nice local brewery store nearby. I mean, Amazon's great for things, but being able to walk into a store and talk to the dude behind the counter and find out if he or she have any suggestions. Uh, most likely they've definitely made some sort of meat or they know someone who's made some sort of meat and can give you some suggestions as well. So, and you know, always good to support local businesses. And it's always nice because you can go in and get what you need right then and there. And also, I guess the last little thing, I guess I would uh, impart as knowledge would be, don't be afraid to try weird things for it. You know, like I made a kiwi mead before because I was curious to see if the green coloring of the kiwi would somehow stain the mead green. So it would just be this weird greenish yellowish thing. It didn't work out as much, but now I know I need to add an absolute butt ton of kiwis if that's actually going to happen. So it's like, just don't be afraid to experiment with it, you know have like one go-to that you make and then maybe have another batch that you experiment with, which is where the five gallons are useful. If you just do a basic five, uh, basic mead in the five gallon and then you kind of like split it up into the smaller ones, you can experiment in the smaller ones. You have some basic meat that you've already made if you want to save it that way. So always good to experiment. You never know what you'll stumble upon. So I guess I should have asked this, but for people that haven't tried mead, how would you describe the flavor of mead? Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't have a very good answer for it because it doesn't taste like, I guess the best way I can describe it is imagine a mixed drink that just comes pre-mixed, I guess. It's a good way of looking at it because it, it, you get that bite of the liquor. That's always going to be there. But more often than not, it's the flavoring of the, the fermented honey and of whatever you put in there, that's really going to get your attention. I was actually surprised the the sweetness when I first uh, tried it, because you know, you, you drink a beer, you don't think of sweet. It's not that it quenches sweet tooth, but it's it's definitely on the sweeter side. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you for coming on and talking with me about mead. Well, thank you for having me. Hello, Microbial Nation. It's me again, your microbe-obsessed host, Tess. And John, and we need your help. That's right. You see, we want to improve your listener experience and provide higher quality audio for all of you to listen to and enjoy. With your help, we're looking to raise enough money to get some higher quality microphones, an audio mixer, and some editing equipment. If you'd like to help, there's a link you can follow in our show notes. Or you can find a little coffee cup at the bottom of our homepage at microbegals.com. Really, every little bit helps. 
Up until now, we've been able to provide all our content for free, and we want to keep providing you with ad-free and high-quality microbe facts, interviews, and history snippets. Any amount is welcome, and we are so grateful for you and your support. As always, thanks for listening. Keep your microbes happy and healthy, and we'll see you next time. Well, Microbigale Nation, that's the end of Mead for now, but we promise we'll be back with even more fun facts about the elixir of the gods. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share it with a friend. As always, you can find us at microbigales.com. That's M-I-C-R-O-B-I-G-A-L-S dot com. Send us some feedback at microbigales at gmail.com. Or if you yourself brew mead, we'd love to hear about it. We hope you enjoyed listening, and we hope you and your microbes stay healthy and happy.